Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages. A podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page. We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories. Including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis. Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty Tasty Pages. This week's featured cookbook is... Dolly by Monica Garden. Hey, Johnny. Oh, hey, Victoria. I think I kind of mispronounced that a little bit. My mouth got a little bit... It's Gowardin. Oh, okay. So, I'm not mispronouncing it on purpose. You did a better job than I would. My... My tongue is getting the best of me. Welcome, dear listeners. Episode 76 of Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. You like that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you go to our website, which is wecookbooks.com, and click on that store tab, that will direct you to our Amazon.com affiliate page. We've got a few lists there. If you make a purchase from any of those lists, you'll get a little something you were probably going to buy anyway. We'll get a few pennies in our pocket. It won't cost you anything more. It's probably the best way that you can support the fine work that we do here Mm -hmm. at Tasty Pages headquarters. Tasty Pages Central. Mm -hmm. Tasty Pages World Headquarters. How's that sound? Otherwise known as our apartment. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sitting on the floor as we speak. Hey, before we uh, jump into some topics, we should tell everyone what we're drinking. We're actually taking a break from the margaritas. No margaritas this time. No margaritas. We are drinking a Jungle Bird. Which is, do tell. It's dark rum, simple syrup, pineapple juice, Campari, and lime juice. And this is from a cocktail book that we're starting to work our way through. Uh, This is the first drink. Yes. Uh, Cheers. It's a good one, too. It is. Um, So this is from a book that I found recently at our local uh, library, which is really my favorite berry (laughs) of all of them. I was going to be like, did you just say library? (laughs) Yep. this one's called Smuggler's Cove, exotic cocktails. I'll smuggle your cove. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk after the show. Um, exotic cocktails, rum, and the culture of tiki. And this is by Martin Kate, C-A-T-E. Yes. Um, interesting book. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I would uh, like it as much as I kind of have once I started paging through it. I, th- I thought it was going to be real fussy cocktails that... Would require, you know, buying something that we'd only use once for that cocktail. Blue curacao yeah. or some such nonsense. Um, but once I started paging through it, I found uh, several drinks that just required us making a rum purchase. Did you, did, did were all, because you picked out the drinks. So were, are they all rum based? Most of them are. I mean, I think this book kind of focuses on that because it's got a, a, a pretty extensive section on the different types of rums and like, you know, purchasing them and evaluating them and all that stuff. So, well, and we were kind of under the impression that like rum was not, not really our favorite spirit. Same with tequila. Yes. And so working through these books the, has had some benefits. Yeah. You know, well, people like to complain about the dangers of drinking alcohol and, uh, <laughs> and the, uh, consequences but uh the benefits has been that we like tequila and rum and we think and we thought we didn't yeah well the the last rum we got was a lighter rum and this is a dark rum and it's delicious it's delicious it's kind of caramely and it's really smooth did you say what was in this yes okay (laughs) were you not listening to me uh, were you just staring off into the void staring at this drink (laughs) find someone that looks at you the way that johnny looks at his drink That makes you sound like a complete alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) We'll move on. All right. Uh, What are we finishing up right now? Uh, We are finishing up. We're making our last dish from it tonight. Milk Street, The World in a Skillet. And it's by Christopher Kimball. I think this is like the third Milk Street book that we've done. At least. Mm -hmm. um, Because we did the... The Instant Pot one, when we first got our Instant Pot slash air fryer. Wasn't there a vegetable? There was a vegetable one? one, Milk Street Vegetables. So this is at least the third one. And then there was the Tuesday night. 
what was it? Oh yeah, Milk Street yeah. Tuesday night. Yeah. This might be the fourth one. Ooh, Whoa. He's given Odalengi a run for right? his money for uh author that we featured most in uh the uh Cooking the Books Instagram feed. Yeah. Um but this one uh, takes you around the world in a skillet. You got your passport ready? <laughs> I sure do. All right, cuz we 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 covered we traveled to Italy, we went to Mexico, we went to Vietnam. Went to Spain. Racking up those stamps, yep. baby. Today is it today's Italy. That 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 brings us into what's for dinner tonight. We are doing an Italian summer vegetable stew. Yeah. Well, it's summer. Yes. We it like is. vegetables. Yes, we do. So and then uh, I think up next we had talked about maybe doing some random one off books, which we we had kind of done that project a few weeks ago and we've still got a lot of books kind of piling up. Uh, in the in the house here, yeah. not a bad problem to have. But, yeah, because uh, there there are bo- we get a lot of books, and there are some we'll look through them, and maybe we're just not feeling them, or it's kind of not practical for us to I mean, to work through them. Like all of the um, the gluten lovers cookbook just wasn't <laughs> <yeah>. for us. <laughs> the shrimp lovers <laughs> weekday meals not for us. No. All the barbecue books, since yeah. <laughs> we don't have our smoker and nope. we have to go upstairs to use the grill. We're not the target audience for that. No. It makes me sad that we can't work through those, though. So uh, what else have we been doing this week? I'm, I'm feeling like I'm kind of low energy and I'm not meaning to be. I know. I, I, well, I, I got to step it up. I got to get my uh, my radio personality switch going. Oh, yeah. We went out to, to do some uh, check on our garden. Mm-hmm. We got a community garden spot just steps outside our, our building. And so we we planted crops this week. Crops. <laughs> what, what did we plant? We planted tomatoes, a couple different peppers. We did some edible flowers. No cannabis? No cannabis. Oh, I would love to. Although, well, see, when we had our garden in Chicago, we had to worry about squirrels, like, eating our tomatoes and stuff. I know. <laughs> now you'd have to worry about, like, juvenile delinquents stealing our uh, our cannabis. Right. Or, 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 like, drunken frat boys that would, like, wander by since it's, like, a you know, in a public space, obviously. I don't think there's a lot of drunken frat boys wandering, roaming around in know. this neighborhood. I don't know. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> we did some herbs, like, or we did a curry plant, some basil, some dill. Yep, we'll keep you updated on our uh, on our gardening adventures because we got a little rooftop garden going too with some stuff. But that's that's more just for like when we need some basil for a meal, we can go up there and snip, snip. Although that stuff isn't looking great. Oh, I don't man. know what happened. Maybe it's tough to grow on the 14th floor of a building or something. But other people's look really good. Huh. I, I have a brown thumb. <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and it didn't come from gardening. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else has been going on this week? Oh, we're cat sitting for... Uh, Lorenzo and Prince, our yep. neighbor's cats. Mm-hmm. They're very sweet. They are very sweet. They shed a lot. They do. And... I would love to actually go play. Well, I played with them last night for a little bit, but we're both allergic, so it's kind of a dicey <laughs> yeah, ask, proposition. Ask the, the uh, neighbors that are allergic to cats to uh, cats it for you while you're gone. <laughs> but they're they, yeah, they're very sweet. Yes. So and, they're, and they're, their neighbors are some some new nice friends mm-hmm. that we've that we've made. So we're we're happy to do it. But uh, yeah, we're, n- we're we're not cat people. For, no. For that reason, so we just go down there and make an appearance and make sure they're not uh, dead. Yeah, or like <laughs> tearing up, something up, re-up their food, dehydrated. Uh, oh, we went to a place in the neighborhood. Did we talk about this previously? This lawless distilling. I don't think we did. No. Um, no. They make uh, you know spirits. They're a local distiller here in Minneapolis. It's not too far from our house, and they have a little uh, tasting room, if you will. So we went there. How's that uh, pineapple garnish on that drink? Oh, I love me some pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it was, yeah, it was it was a little nice date night. We went out and got got dressed up and hung out at the bar. And they have these craft cocktails, and there was a lot of care that went into these beverages that they made. Yeah, one of them that I had it was a Luna Rosa, and it had vodka, aquavit, cilantro, and hibiscus. Um, and then I also had this fun slushy that was like a coconut slushy, and it had a beautiful edible flower. Yeah, on we do it. talk about drinking a lot, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> and it also had a really beautiful outdoor 
seating area, but that was full. Yeah. What did what did you have? You had something with curry. I can pull up the. Uh... Yeah, it was it was delicious. It, it had like it was almost as if they had just emptied like uh, you know a spice cabinet into the drink, and uh, it was delicious. I had something similar in Las Vegas at yes. a craft cocktail bar, and it wasn't nearly as good. This one showed a little bit more. Uh, restraint if you will maybe some expertise you got i think the one you got was the good sun good sun yes it was. it was rum mango curry and lime yep and it was delicious but you could you could get that little hint of curry mm-hmm. um, which is kind of unexpected in a cocktail but it was delicious oh and then we we we, we struck up conversations with like the various you know, people that were sitting next to us and the bartender. Is that still politically correct to say bartender? Or is yeah. it mixologist now? Well, I would say she was a mixologist. Yeah. Like barista yeah. kind of thing. Okay. So, yeah. So, the mixologist. We, we, and we asked people, like, uh, what were your top three favorite movies? And then uh, we shared ours, which uh, yours. What were yours? Mine was Beaches. Sleepless in Seattle and Steel Magnolias. Perfect. And then I think I, at the time, and this is funny because it was just very random conversation. Not a lot of thought went into it. I, I, uh, Ray Liotta had just passed away. So I had Goodfellas on the mind and I mm-hmm. said Goodfellas. And then I said uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Perfect movie except for that cringe inducing scene with Mickey Rooney. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Amelie. Oh, I love Amelie. I know. And then... Uh, it was kind of funny because the, the people that were sitting next to us were younger, quite a bit younger, yeah, you know, they probably were, half our they age. They were like in their 20s. And, and uh, their answers gave me some insight, not only to their age, but also to their drug of choice. Because the, the woman, I know one of her uh, choices was Pineapple Express. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that, that Seth Rogen uh, juggernaut yes. of a movie. Uh, the guy said Inception, and it's been a long time since I've seen that. And uh, he was very passionate about, you know, the Inception. I think that was like the only thing that he offered up. I don't think he gave us three. No, I think there was like a superhero movie in there too. Oh, the, the Dark, Dark Knight. Knight. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, because we were talking about uh, having not yet seen the most recent Batman movie called The Batman, which we did try and watch, but man, is that long. It, well, I, I kind of tapped out about halfway through. It's dark. And it's quiet. It was described as the emo Batman, yeah. which is not wrong. But yeah, the, right? the the audio on it is really weird because everyone like quiet talks throughout the movie. Yes. And then there'll be like some scene where there's big explosions and loud music and everything. And, and so you're like constantly like, you know, riding the remote control to like turn it up and down. And yeah, I was just squinting through the whole thing because it was so dark. It was dark. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I can't remember what else the woman chose, but they were all like kind of stoner movies and it it was just kind of funny to hear their answers. And then the, the mixologist, I know she chose, uh, Roma because she was Mexican and, and and it's shot in Mexico city. We, we watched that a little slow paced. I felt like not a lot, not a lot happened. Yeah. You know. But she loved it, and she was, said it was kind of like a love letter to her to her city. Okay, and, and I so, totally get that. Yeah, I mean, obviously. And then uh, I think I think there was a mention of Amelie, like she liked that. But uh, and then I thought about it the next day. I had completely different answers. Oh, I would if you if you asked me again, I would have completely yep. different answers too. Because I was thinking across the universe, Sing Street, and then maybe I'd throw in like a wild card, just you know, to maybe encourage people to check it out, like something like Big Fan. With Patton Oswalt or something. Oh, I know you don't like that movie. No, I, I like it. I like it fine. But I feel so terrible yeah. for Patton's character. Like, yep. it gives me the worst, worst feeling. Like, it's a, I it's just, a sleeper movie. If, if you guys have not seen it, give it a watch. It's not a comedy at all. At all. It's really dark. It's dark. It's so good. Yeah. But I can't watch it more than Very once. dramatic role for him. Lawless, how'd we get off on that tangent? <laughs> on movies? No, well, yeah, kind of. Oh, just because we were talking about Lawless. Because we're talking about booze, of course. Oh, we went to my uh, my brother's house because one of his daughters uh, was her birthday, and uh, we kind of gathered as a family for the little kid's birthday, and they 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 went all out. They got a bouncy house, and I, I think in your mind you had that this was going to be like several stories high. Of and like a really big splashed yeah. out water slide. You were type underwhelmed. 
I I was. I mean, it was it was still pretty cool as far as you know the kids were. Oh yeah, know, they loved it. Yeah, but uh, you were unimpressed. You were underwhelmed. Well, I I was looking forward to going on it, and then I was like, no. Oh, that thing was like a slippery death trap. <laughs> I, I I I went in, and then uh, well, there was my, a bouncy house, and then there was like a slide. It was a water yes. slide. Which was, you know, was supposed to have a little pool, but it was really just like a puddle of dirty water that you slid <laughs> down into. <laughs> and my niece turned on the water. Like, you know, I think somehow you connect it to a hose and then there's like this trickle of water. But it also kind of goes into the bouncy house portion. So it becomes like this very slippery death trap. You're like trying to bounce around in there. So not only are you getting wet, but you're sliding and falling. <laughs> and I did kind of want to go in the bouncy house, but I just... I didn't have the energy. I, I went in briefly, but then once the water started trickling, I, I, I peaced out. I, I couldn't do it. So, eh. All right. Should we actually get the show on the road? Uh, why? <laughs> All right. So uh, we, we have our uh, listener question that we put out every episode. And uh, for this one, we asked uh, everyone, if you could only keep one item from your kitchen, what would it be? And I was kind of thinking when I asked this in in terms of like maybe there's like a favorite gadget that maybe has some sentimental value or maybe like an heirloom piece or something. And we just got like all kinds of wild, crazy answers, which I loved. You know, it was like I wasn't expecting it. So, you know, some people went for more like a practical answer. Uh Some people had some sentimental Sentimental. stuff. Yep. Other people. Yeah. Um, So without further ado, let's start with the first one. All right. Alex R. said, pretty sure it's the microwave. Hot Pockets for Life, baby. (laughs) Uh, Charlene J said, ooh, great question. Thank you, Charlene. Uh, I wish you had split it into both appliances and tools, but since you didn't, it'll be my global chef's knife. Mm -hmm. Solid choice. Uh, Nancy M said, fridge. Refrigeration is important. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Could Could I make do without a fridge if I had to? Possibly, as long as I could shop frequently. Yeah. And I'd just have to buy like... Stuff that you were making that day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably become vegetarian, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not going to buy some meat earlier in the day and then just have it sitting out until, you know, later on when I'm going to cook it up. Jackdaw said, most of the stuff in my kitchen is actually pretty crappy. <laughs> not sure I'd want to keep anything. Maybe one of my pizza cutters. Those are always handy. Oh. Sure. Oh, daw. So he's just going to have frozen pizza for the rest of his life. <laughs> Aunt Barb. Well, Johnny's aunt, my aunt-in-law. Yeah. Aunt Barb said air fryer. Ooh, good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, some uh, people from the internet said, uh, at Dixie Dog Mama said a knife. That was a popular choice. Uh, at Linda Hartlob said stand mixer. Interesting. She must really like to bake. I was going to say, I don't think that would be the thing that I would keep above Mm-mm. above everything else, but uh, interesting choice. And then, uh, you know, what at what Alexis cooked said a fork. Very practical. Right? Well, I mean, if you have hands, you can eat with your hands. Yeah, that's true. Jay's in the kitchen said, my refrigerator. Seriously, now, I would say crock pot. I was a single working parent. That's a good choice. You can do a lot of stuff in a crock pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Ryder Rhiannon said, uh, grandma's teapot. That's the answer I was looking for. Yes, there we go. Um, Maxwell Gregory 2018 said, my KitchenAid mixer followed by my Vitamix. Well, you can Maxwell, have you have to pick. One. <laughs> you can have our Vitamix. That thing sucks. <laughs> Johnny gets so mad every <laughs> oh time he uses it. It gets used every day for he my ma- morning smoothies. And we also mix, you know, cocktails in it and stuff, and among other things. And the thing, it does not do what it's supposed to do. I have never had an issue making a margarita. I think you're doing it wrong. You're throwing in like big, huge chunks of fruit. Fru- frozen fruit. Oh, it, it can't big, handle frozen chunks. fruit? Obviously, it can because oh. I don't have problems with it when I'm making mango margaritas. So, what's my problem then? I don't know. <laughs> Not enough liquid, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Uh. I User- throw vitamins in there. It doesn't seem to chop those up either. Well, that's gross. And you. What? <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with throwing vitamins in a smoothie? Ooh. It makes I didn't it know t- that was a controversial uh, take. It makes it taste weird. Mm. Like I would never share the way yeah, you I make do your throw fish oil in there. Yes, <laughs> the way you make your smoothies now, I would never be like, "Ooh, can I get a little bit of that?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now you have me second guessing my smoothie <laughs> technique. And then, uh, lastly, at Booklarder said a knife. 
So, what'd you have for your pick? Um, mine was my peasant's knife. I was gonna say chef knife, but the the chef's knife that I use all the time is pretty large, so it's not always practical. Gotcha. Uh, the peasant's knife is it's carbon steel. It's a really you could kill someone and also prepare a meal with it. Yes, um, gets the job done. It's very utilitarian. Yes. Um, what about you? Uh, chef's knife was was my first thought. Um, if I had to pick like an appliance or something, I think it would be our air fryer. If I could just have like one thing, because you could do a variety of things with yes. it. You could like you know, saute stuff. You could cook stuff in it if you had to mm-hmm. in a pinch. Like, we don't really use it for that purpose, no. but it could be. Um, Cooks, man, cook stuff. You mean sear? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> generally, when you put it in the air fryer, it's getting cooked. Yes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man. If if I had had one of those like uh, back in the day, I might have considered going to college. Would it would it would have uh, just changed my my college life game? Right. If I had an air fryer, you wouldn't have to go to the crappy communal kitchen. Oh, although although you probably would because you have to prepare stuff. You could have did everything in that thing. I could have made like beef jerky. Yes. I could have been eating beef jerky for for my entire college life. <laughs> Man. All right. Well, we should get to this book, Dolly, uh, which translates to large plate. And it's basically like a collection of components that are assembled together to offer a complete meal. Um, They vary from different regions throughout India. And the author collects uh, recipes from all over, including her native Mumbai. The chapters are divided into different sections like stir-fried vegetables, different curries, dolls, condiments, and desserts, um, as well as some drinks. In addition to the sections covering kitchen essentials, there's also pages devoted to region-specific tallies. The various flavors of Indian cuisines are favorites of ours, and so we welcomed a week of eating these dishes. You want to talk about what we made? Yes. Then we'll circle back. We did stir-fried paneer and peppers in kadai masala, uh, palak murg, which is spinach and ginger chicken curry, tamarind and ginger lamb chop curry, South Indian vegetable kurma, and sweet potato and cardamom dumplings in a sticky clove syrup. All right. Let's start with this uh, stir-fried paneer with peppers in a kandi masala. Kandi? Is that what I said? Yeah. Is it Kadi? Kadi, yeah. Okay. There's no N in there, sir. Uh, it looked like there was. <laughs> uh, so this was a vegetarian dish. the And the Kadi masala blend was cashmere chilies, coriander seeds, cumin seeds, black peppercorns, and cardamom pods. Mm-hmm. And those get dry roasted in a skillet, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, I think once we started working through Indian cookbooks for this project... We uh, maybe it was like Nick Sharma, or yeah. one of the early ones that kind of introduced introduced us to that technique. Now, we use it all the time. Yeah, now, now I, I mean it was something that like I was obviously aware of, but it just kind of didn't really cross my mind to do it. And now it's like every time you you're making like a spice mixture or something, it's part of our repertoire. Always, I, I like to kind of call it blooming. Yeah, blooming the spices. Yeah, totally. So the whole spices get ground up after that. Do you want to do you, I just totally like started no, walking no. all over you. Onions and peppers are sauteed. There's some diced paneer in there. But if you can't get a hold of paneer, you can also use a panela cheese or a halloumi because they're all non-melting. Yeah, and p- panela, if, if you have a, a reliable... Mexican grocery store. Yeah, that might be a little easier and cheaper to find. Yeah. And it also gets uh, some tomato puree and some ginger match sticks. Uh, it simmers until it's slightly thickened. This book really afforded me the opportunity to hone my ginger match stick. <laughs> totally. Uh, Everything the, the, had ginger match sticks. It did. Um, they're they're kind of fussy. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, we also tried to make a gluten-free uh, flatbread. Let's not speak of that. Yeah, it didn't. It, it didn't go it, well. Listeners, if you have uh, any recommendations for a gluten-free flatbread, if if one even exists, let us know. We're I, desperate over here. Well, I think the gluten-free flour that we used was the wrong kind because we had the one for one, and I think you need the all-purpose if you're gonna if you're gonna be doing something with yeasted doughs. Okay. So yeah, you might be right. Yeah, 
Although I could be just totally we'll, speaking we'll, out of my I'll ass. I'll do some research. We'll, t- we'll take another crack at it. <laughs> Next thing we made was Palak Mur, which is the um, spinach and ginger chicken curry. And Classic northern Indian dish. Mm-hmm. The chicken gets marinated in a lovely mixture of yogurt, turmeric, chili powder, and cumin. Yeah, so it's like a spiced yogurt. Mm-hmm. In the dish, there's ginger, garlic, bird's eye chilies, which gets blended into a paste. You could pretty easily make this vegetarian, too, by just swapping out the chicken for tofu or even chickpeas. Absolutely. And it would be a really great vegetarian dish. Anything else on this? It oh, was delicious. It was delicious. And we for, we forgot to garnish it with the ginger match sticks and cilantro. But we did a pickled red onion. We did have a pickled red <laughs> onion, which was per, it was like a perfect accompaniment. Yes. To, to and we, we served it with rice as well. Mm-hmm. We had some coconut rice. Um, let's talk tamarind and ginger lamb chop curry. So this one we... We kept the ingredients the same, but the method, we changed a little bit. Yes. Because lamb chops are freaking ex- expensive. The cook time recommended on this was insanely long. It was. It, first, the uh, like it said to sear the lamb for eight minutes, and then you add like three tablespoons of water, then you cover it and cook it for another 15 minutes on low heat, Oof. and then you add the potatoes and cook it for another 13 minutes. Oof. Yeah, so what we did, it it has a tamarind paste that's uh, tamarind and ginger. The chops get marinated in that. So what we did was we cooked the potatoes in the tamarind paste, mm-hmm. and then we we seared the uh, chops in a separate pan, and then yep. added those at the very end. Yes. and we brushed them with uh, some tamarind paste. And I'm glad we well. did that because they turned out they were delicious. Mm-hmm. I think they would have been like so overcooked if we had followed this method i'd be curious to see how she successfully did that according to the recipe well i feel like lamb chops should be medium rare yeah you know and they would i do they would go way past medium rare absolutely so but it was delicious and i love tamarind it's yeah it's one of those sleeper ingredients mm -hmm. like we don't use it often and we should yeah it gives you like that little pucker in your mm-hmm. uh, salivary glands. Mm. Yes. Uh, and then we serve this with, uh, I think I just found a recipe for a real simple uh, cucumber, which is like a chopped salad with just, you know, cucumber, red onion, jalapeno, cilantro, mint, carrot, and paneer. There goes the paneer again. I think we had some leftover or something, yeah. so we just kind of threw it together. But it was delicious. It was, And it was a nice way to kind of round this out so that um, you're not just having this like lamb chop curry. Um, so it made it a little bit more substantial for a dinner, but, uh, yeah, no complaints with that. Yeah. And then, uh, another vegetable dish and this comes from, uh, South India and it's like a vegetable kerma. Um, it's a coconut milk based stew. Mm-hmm. There's an explosion of vegetables in here. So there you got your onion, you got your chili, you got cauliflower, carrots, potatoes, green beans, tomatoes. You could go crazy with vegetables here. Yeah, basically you just saute the onion and ginger and then you add the chilies and the cauliflower and the potatoes and it cooks for a few minutes and then you add the recipe called for water, but whenever something calls for water, we always use broth. Yep. So we added broth and you simmer that a little bit. Then you add the beans. Everything is done in steps and the cook times are, are very precise. Except for that lamb chop. Yeah. <laughs> Um, tons of spices I, that's what I really appreciated about this book is like the the spice levels they were not timid this this one was actually I feel like a lot of these they're, they're warm spices but they're not spicy right this one actually did have a if I remember correctly it had a little hot bite yeah well you have mustard seeds in there there's ginger in there there's there are some curry leaves in there which are, you know aren't like spicy necessarily but but it it ventures toward that territory yeah where maybe it, maybe it wasn't hot i don't know i feel like i feel like when i was eating it i was like this is this is a little spicy were there chilies in it do you remember maybe there were chilies in it 
There were chilies there in were. it. There yeah, were. Yeah. That's probably where the heat comes from. And then lastly, sweet potato and cardamom dumplings in a sticky clove syrup. Cue sad trumpet. Wah, wah. Ooh, this, this one. This one was not successful. No. And we were so excited to make it because uh, back in the day when we would go to Indian buffets, which I guess are kind of a thing of the past, or at least uh, during COVID times. People still go to buffets now. Do they really? Yeah. Ooh, rolling the dice. Yeah, I know, right? But this would be a favorite uh, item to grab are those little, those little sweet potato cardamom balls. But uh, man... That sounded dirty, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So basically, this was their little dough balls made out of roasted cauliflower. (laughs) No, how about that? Victoria just invented her own recipe. (laughs) Why am I saying cauliflower? Uh, Roasted sweet potato, milk powder, flour. We used gluten-free flour for this. Yep. Uh, ground Ground cardamom and baking powder. That gets chilled for about 15 minutes, and then you make little golf ball-sized dough dough balls, which get fried. The dough was very sticky. It was it was too wet too. Mm. Um. So I and I followed the recipe exactly. So I don't know what went wrong or if this was just a bad recipe. But working with this was like really frustrating. The balls were getting all misshapen, yes. and they were kind of falling apart. Yes. They didn't look like the photo. No, they didn't. And so we actually, I, we managed to salvage some to but we didn't take a photo. Them. We they did not good. eat them. No. Well, and the syrup, I felt like it, um, by following the instructions, it like reduced too much. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, 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 it went too, uh, too much of the liquid like evaporated out of it or something. So it wasn't really as much of a syrup anymore as it was more like a, a glue or something. <laughs> it, it was not good. We didn't have the interest in trying to take another crack uh-uh. at it or. All we know is it didn't turn out how it was supposed to. No. Eh. Aside from that, though, I really enjoyed all the stuff from the book. Agree. Should we move on to our reviews? Yes. Before we do that, yes. we'll discuss the most critical Amazon reviews. There was only one uh, two-star review that I found, and everything else was four out of five or mm-hmm. more. Um, and there was uh, one four-star review that had some valuable critique that I thought I'd share. So we'll start with the two-star one. You want to do that one? Yep. It was from Billy Cat, and it said... Didn't like the recipes. How enlightening. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to butcher the name. Uh, this Dahana Jaya person <laughs> gave it four out of five stars. Said, it's all right. I personally love Monica's recipes, but there's lots of typos in the book, like frying onions for 45 to 50 minutes um, in many recipes. And it will leave uh, leave you with nothing more than carbon. Um, I didn't notice that. Well, there there's a recipe for... I think it was like a lamb bone marrow curry, which looked delicious, by the way. Mm-hmm. And it it did say to to cook the onions to 45, 40, 30, 40 to... Is it over a low heat? It, like a medium heat. So okay. I think it's just like really caramelizing the onions. Yeah. And caramelizing onions takes a freaking long time. Yeah. And I think when people, a lot of people think of caramelized onion, like they'll think of it when it's like lightly brown, but that right. is not a caramelized onion. Okay. I, I don't necessarily think there was a typo there. Okay. They went on to add, may uh, they be meant, maybe they meant four to five minutes instead. Um, they could have given a bit more background to the rich culture of these dishes. This book is great for beginners who are new to Indian food. And I don't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I think I think the the goal seemed to be to kind of give an overview of Indian food as a whole, covering yeah. different you know dishes that are popular in the different regions and stuff. So well, and I don't think I you know I don't think it's possible to write a novel about each dish and right. like its origins and right. you know like yeah. The, so. I will say the head. I mean, we'll get into it when we discuss our rankings. But the head notes were generally like pretty brief. You mm-hmm. know, it'd be like a few sentences or maybe a paragraph at the most. But they weren't extensive. That's for sure. No. Um, let's talk about our rankings, beginning with food photography and styling. What'd you have, Victoria? I gave it a five. Okay. There was a lot of texture in the photos, like mm-hmm. plates being layered. You know, like a plate on a platter and lots of beautiful fabrics. 
And the photos ranged from simple, like a single pot with the lid off or a platter of cauliflower with that has that has obviously been like dug into with like mm-hmm. three spoons on it. There were some really elaborate photos like there was a there was a photo of doll and it was in a pot and there were a couple bowls and a mortar and a pestle and mm-hmm. some spices scattered around. The the color palette in the photos was very rich and earthy mm-hmm. like uh tans and dark like dark navy blues burgundies um it it just felt really rich and there were there was an assortment of different photos they're overhead or like flat lace style Mm -hmm. 45 degree angle the occasional someone holding something right yeah i noticed Um, that too it was i just thought the photos were just really beautiful what did you give? I it? gave it a five as well. Okay. Uh, all of them had a uh, what I described as kind of a cool, rustic quality. Mm-hmm. Cool, like kind of temperature wise or or color palette wise. Many photos feature utensils, as you as you mentioned, and 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 the dishes almost all were kind of like as they were being served. So you might have like a a larger bowl or platter that had like a few scoops onto a, mm-hmm. s- a separate plate next to it or they would they would show like uh you know a spoon on there with you know some scoops missing where you know like they had served it up already great use of ceramics and textured surfaces mm-hmm. like you mentioned great props too like there was a lot of photos that had drinking glasses that were just kind of interesting and unique or just uh, utensils and I thought uh, I'm sorry I'm not no, I'm not trying to slip on you I thought that there was a really great mixture of kind of modern modern dinnerware and pans and then there were also kind of vintagey looking pans yes. you know it, it was just a very nice mix and I think this photography and styling achieved what other books that we've discussed in the in previous episodes kind of failed to in that it successfully displayed all the dishes to make them appear just gorgeous and beautiful and like something you'd want to make and eat, but not intimidating at all. Yeah. Um, we had discussed in previous episodes about like, you know, like some of the half-baked harvest, or, you know, come to mind where they're just like gorgeously photographed and styled. But then in they're, a book where it's supposed to be, not unlike this, where it's supposed to be kind of like home cooking, simple mm-hmm easy Indian food it's the photos don't come across as intimidating like you don't look at it and be like oh I could never make that or that looks too fussy or something yeah like some of the photos in half-baked harvest were like you would need like tweezers right very fiddly very fiddly and in my mind that's what I picture you know when they're setting up the shot and Mm -hmm. and plating it like that's that's what they're doing so they they they, I have no complaints about the photography or styling like that was probably the thing that initially caught my attention as it is with probably most cookbooks that you page through but you know when we received that and started looking through it that's probably the the thing because I feel like that was one that you paged through and you were kind of like, oh, you know, there's a few things here and there. And then I kind of looked through it. Am I misremembering and, that? Because I thought I looked through it and was like, oh, no, I, w- I definitely want to feature this. Or maybe we both kind of mutually agreed that. I think I just kind of paged through it really quick and I was like, hey, you know, we can do this or we can do a one off. Right. And then you looked through it and l- was like, yes. And then yeah. I took a second look and I was like, OK. Yeah. Should we talk about design and layout? Yes. All right. What'd you give it? I gave it a five. Okay. All the recipes feature both the imperial and metric measurements. The formatting is really nice and easy to read. The head notes, as I mentioned, are very brief. Um, ooh, I, I, when I started researching this, I, I looked up uh, kind of a glossary of bookbinding terms mm-hmm. so that I can speak like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so uh, the, the cover... Features a, a debossed lettering, not embossed, because that would imply that they're raised. raised. Okay, debossed is like indented. Look at the, the big surface. brain on See, you. Look, look at, at look right? at the look at look at the Google fingers on you. The end papers, <laughs> which are the, the you know the beginning and ending uh-huh. pages on the inside of the book, feature what appears to be a macro shot of like maybe a banana leaf or mm, something. Did uh-huh. you notice that? And then. 
there's these pastel images on the next page that are kind of correspond to the book cover, like a similar style. The person that did the artwork and the design is named Daniel New, N-E-W. Mm-hmm. Um, but each each uh, chapter also has like a double page with this artwork by by him. And it, it features these kind of bright pastels. And then it'll have like the title of the of the chapter. And then just a very brief paragraph describing like, you know, what what's contained within the chapter. The recipes have serving portions, but not any times. Mm -hmm. I don't feel it's necessary much in this book because all of the recipes are fairly simple to to execute. There's not a lot of long cooking times or extensive steps. So, I mean, I know it's nice to be able to see like, oh, you know, assuming that they're accurate, you could look through and say like, oh, it's going to take me 20 minutes to make this or 30 minutes. But that said, I don't feel like it's completely necessary for this book. Okay. Ooh, the back matter, that's another uh, technical term in the bookbinding world, uh, contain a list of regional tallies, menu planning. So if you wanted to do like vegan dishes, vegetarian dishes, seafood dishes, or kind of celebratory dishes, it gives you kind of a guide of, you know, like what you can you can make from that. Or, or like I said, if you wanted to do like regional ones, it, what it breaks it down. What belongs in that region. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Recipe titles contain both the Indian name as well as the English translation. Ooh, it has a register ribbon. I love those. Which is the, you know, the little cloth, like almost like a bookmark thing. But those yeah. make me so happy. It's known in the industry, m'lady, <laughs> as the register ribbon. Oh, um, well, thank you for mansplaining that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and then the, honestly, though, I didn't know that, that that's what it was <laughs> called. So thanks for the knowledge. Yeah. And the uh, introductory materials at the beginning of the book, you know, contain like the usual suspects, like essential spices. But uh, for an Indian cookbook, I find that to be somewhat useful. Absolutely. I, I find it less useful when it's something, something like, like half baked harvest white or lady whatever. American yes. Cookbook. yes. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you should have cumin on hand. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks. I agree. For that. Thanks for that hot take. Pantry staples. I, can we put that to, to rest, please? And kitchen equipment. Like, I know. I just, I just feel like regardless of what type of cookbook it is, if you're buying the cookbook in the first place, you can assume that, A, the person has an interest in cooking at home. Otherwise, they wouldn't have a cookbook. Mm-hmm. And, B, that they, are, they possess like a certain rudimentary <laughs> knowledge or skill level. And you don't need to tell someone that they have to have a chef's knife or a cutting board or... You know Although- what I mean? Although, like when I watch my Real Housewives of Bullshit shows, uh-huh. you will see someone like chopping vegetables with a paring knife on the counter. Yeah. Some people don't really don't know. <laughs> but do they own any cookbooks? No. <laughs> Probably not. Those are the types of ladies that have chefs. Mm-hmm. You, are cor- you are correct, sir. What did you give it? I gave it a four. Okay. My notes are very, very similar to yours. Okay. The thing that, see, I still like to have uh, the prep and active times. Sure. The font was kind of smallish, but it was dark, so I didn't have trouble reading it. All fonts are small to me these days. I know, right? Oh. But this, but this was like dark, so I was okay with yeah. it. Yeah, the, the layout was really clean. Yes. The the book section, there's like the intros. The, I don't... Did you talk about this? I think you did. The book sections, there's the intro and the essentials. And then it's broken down into like 10 different recipe sections. There's like stir-fried vegetables. There's four different uh, curry sections. Mm-hmm. Uh, dal, snacks, bread and rice, condiments, desserts and drinks. And I also noted that the the chapters have like the bright color wash yeah. that that corresponds to the cover. The cover is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 just like my little personal preference thing. Sure, but it, overall, I felt like it was a very clean layout. Yeah, degree of difficulty. What'd I gave for that? I gave it a two. Okay. I feel like the ingredient list could be daunting for a lot of people, but it's mostly spice mixtures. Yes. Um, yeah, it does look more involved than what it is yes. at first glance. And I noted that too, because, uh, 
like you said, it's it's mostly spices. Yeah, nothing was like you like you said before. There weren't a lot of long cook times, and the directions are very very specific time wise. Like uh, like add onions, saute for fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, then add your garlic, saute for two. And I appreciated that, that it wasn't one of those cookbooks that tries to tell you to add garlic and onion at the same time. There wasn't a lot of garlic used no. in these recipes. No, I'm just speaking kind of but, but generally. Onions were usually the first thing to go in, and then you would add like some other vegetables uh, uh, after that in the case of like that vegetable stir fry that we did. Yeah, and every step had very precise times. Yes. So there's no like how long do I cook this for? Mm-hmm. Like, so you can have confidence. Right. Not, uh, not vague where like some books will offer, you know, cook until soft. Softened yeah. Or, yeah. But, but also to that note, she does use describers like that. Like, yes. Cook for 15 minutes until the onions are translucent right. and lightly brown mm-hmm. or, you know, what have you. And that's a good recipe. Right. Like if you're if you're thinking in terms of writing a recipe mm-hmm. so that it's, you know, concise and easy to understand. Times and describers. And and then plus, you know, that will also make the correlation in your mind as to this is how long, you know, as you become more comfortable as a cook, like this is generally how long I need to cook this for it to look like this. Right. Yeah. I have two what did right. you give it? I gave it a two as well. All right. Most of the recipes are quite accessible and low on ingredients, with many of them being spices. The techniques are simple and easy to understand and execute. Uh, this would be a great book for a novice home cook looking to expand their repertoire. So mm-hmm. maybe they don't know a lot about Indian cooking. Maybe they like Indian cuisine. You could do a lot worse than this book. Right. Um, so it would be a great introduction. And I think... That's kind of what it endeavors to do as well as just, you know, covers a lot of regions, covers, you know, both vegetarian and meats and a variety of dishes. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it really succeeds. So, yeah, two. All and right. then lastly, taste. What'd you have, Victoria? I gave it a five. Okay. Uh, the flavors are really deep and layered. Mm-hmm. And that comes from different steps like... You'll toast your spices, then you'll add like a spice paste, and then you'll finish it off with another spice. So you get those like deep layers and the superficial layers. Mm -hmm. We may have changed the method on one of the dishes, but there were no adjustments needed to any of the like spice Spice levels, which is sometimes a problem in some books. Right. And everything tasted really delicious really good there was nothing there was nothing that we made that i was like well except for those Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) the dessert notwithstanding yes there was nothing that i was just like "Eh." yeah what'd you give it i gave it a four okay uh i had to knock a point out for that dessert because i i felt like i followed that recipe exactly and i just don't know how it would have turned out Otherwise, okay, but other otherwise, I, I loved everything we made, but uh, had had to knock a point off for that sweet potato dumpling because it was just not good. Okay, maybe I should do four point five. <laughs> there you go. There. <laughs> All right, that brings us to our gastro obscura section, exploring the weird and wonderful culinary traditions, experiences, and ingredients from the book of the same name. Where are we going to this week? We're going to Australia. Yes. So this is kind of keeping in vain with our listener question. Yep. Kitchen devices and gadgets. So what what I'm going to talk about is a field ration eating device. Also known known as as? a Fred. (laughs) So this it's a multi-purpose gadget. It's distributed distributed to members of the Australian military. People view it as either a really great invention or super useless. Yep. Depends on who you ask. The ones who fall into the useless camp have been known to to call it a fucking ridiculous eating device. Fred. <laughs> Fred. All right. Um, it was introduced in the 1940s 
and it has three functions. It's a can opener, a bottle opener, and a spoon. We'll, we'll, we'll try and find a, a photo of this and post it to yeah. our Instagram stories sure. when, when this comes out. One end is a small blade that's made to puncture the lid of a can and saw saw around the perimeter. <laughs> Boy, that sounds like a fun task. <laughs> right. Um, Two hours later, dinner is served. Apparently that is considered its best feature. Huh. The center has a hook-shaped opening that works as a bottle opener, and the opposite... Gotta end, be able to drink beer. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> the opposite end is a spoon. The spoon is the controversial part of this tool. Uh, it's really shallow, so actually getting food to your mouth is a roll of the dice. Okay. Users agree that Fred opens rations with military precision, but using it to eat is kind of where it loses its shine. This is an opportunity for someone. Um, Maybe, you know, come up with a better design or something. Yep. Uh, it's... As of 2020... Dyson. Dyson's got to work on the Fred. <laughs> right? Oh, there you go. Dyson makes everything like yep. shiny and perfect. So this is like a, a not-so-interesting version of the Swiss Army knife, is what you're saying. Kind of. <laughs> it just um, does three things. But as of 2020, it was still a standard issue uh, in ration packs for the military. Okay. And you're you going to pick one up? Well, you can get it online at military stores. Oh, okay. So... So it's out there if you want it. Yeah. Get it get it for your camping gear. I could see how it could be useful. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I'd bring a bunch of canned goods camping, but I, I, I guess if you were gone for extended periods of time, sure. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Got to open my can of baked beans, <laughs> put over the fire. <laughs> if you were going to design a multi-purpose kitchen tool, what, what, what features would it have? Oh, this is the next podcast question. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not going to answer that. That make a, a note. Gonna have a pizza cutter on it. Put a note on your phone. Okay, I got it. <laughs> I'm on it. All right. So if you enjoyed the show, please rank and review us. You can follow us on our socials at we underscore cook underscore books. That is our Instagram, and our Facebook is at we cook books. You know what time it is. Make me laugh. In keeping with the theme of the show, I've got some kitchen gadget jokes. Oh geez. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you hear about this uh, month-long case against the violent baker and the, the courthouse would not allow any mixing utensils inside? You might say it was a whisk-free 30-day trial. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, God. That, was, that, was, that, was, that took a lot of explaining. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that night... Last week when we were lying in bed and, and you asked me... Oh, where is this going? <laughs> you'll see. <laughs> you asked me if, if I wanted to spoon. No, I replied, I'd rather fork. <laughs> right? <laughs> and look at that. Just like that, I still have ice in my drink and I haven't even finished this yet. And we're, we're done with the podcast. I think that's a first. Yep. <laughs> We always break midway to, to, it always, to refresh it always our cocktails. Devolves into uh, a drunken mess. So I'm, I'm, I'm stone sober for this. I know, mostly. right? Mostly, <laughs> it's kind of contradictory. Come on, you're a tall guy. You got, you got a sure. You've got a nice tolerance. I still have a, a, a pineapple garnish in Ooh, here as well. So. If you loved me, you'd give that to me. Nope. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Stay safe. Stay hungry. <laughs>